Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Namaste, Wendy. Namaste, Peter. So good to see you again on video podcast. Video podcast. Yeah, Peter's Podcast with Wendy Newton and Runa. Runa's making another guest appearance. See if we can keep her settled down. Uh, today, I wanted to talk about um, a quote that came from a teacher that we both studied with when we were doing our teacher training, Mark Whitwell, a New Zealand yogi who shares Venkatesananda with Alan Finger and came to New York. As uh, his teacher, as one of his as teachers. As a teacher, yeah. As, as, actually, Mark said that he was the one who got him interested in yoga in the first place. Mm. He was amazed at the radiance of this teacher. But when we were doing our teacher training, um, we actually finished our Ishta teacher training and then took an extra training with Mark because we were so um, intrigued by his thoughts about Tantra and about the body and uh, this sense of we are enough as we are. And mm -hmm. even though we may be working or living and doing things that the notion that we have to get somewhere kind of uh, is a stumbling block in our practice. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to spend an afternoon with Mark when I was in Bali recently and it was lovely to hear him speak again. Um, and he, he recently wrote on Instagram a really beautiful piece that I thought we could chat about. Mm. So um, this is uh, Mark Whitwell, Heart of Yoga on Instagram. And he writes, and I'm, uh, I'm not gonna read all of this because it goes off a little bit. Uh, into artificial intelligence as we were thinking like the chat GPT or whatever it's called. But um, just the, the basic premise I thought was something worth discussing a bit. So Mark writes, thought is an extraordinary refinement of the whole body nervous system that culminates in the brain core. Thought is an evolutionary mechanism of life that enabled the human species to thrive. It is all about naming and labeling what is perceived. On this developed what we call knowledge in all fields, science, religion, medicine, yoga, art, agriculture, commerce, etc. In the fields of the knowledge authorities, thought perpetuates itself. It is an artificial intelligence that is no match for the actual intelligence, power, harmony, and beauty that is life itself. Thought uses knowledge to perpetuate itself in endless repetition of habitual patterns. It is artificial intelligence that we mistake to be real. Jai Mark. <laughs> so not to jump immediately to another reference, mm -hmm. but in Daniel Odier's book, Tantric quest. His guru says something else that's very similar. It was a female tantric his Yes, guru. yes. Devi. Devi. Devi Ma or Devi? Devi. Devi. He, she says, when she's teaching about the earth element, she's laying on the earth. She says, this earth 
is real. My face on it is real. My body on it is real. Everything about this is real. Only my superficial consideration of it, I forget the exact quote now, only my superficial consideration of it is not real. Yeah, thinking about it. Thinking about it, exactly. So I think there's something super profound in there. And we are so inclined toward thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I uh, for me, that's sort of like the basic idea of all yoga. You know, uh, where my mind jumps to right away is the... Um, sort of general trend, I think, towards what like is umbrellaed as somatics because the idea of trying to curtail thinking with thinking, I think, got to the end of its rope. Yeah. And it just doesn't ever work and it doesn't want, ever work completely. It doesn't ever It's it's easy to allow it to be a trap that is very much for me nailed by his description of like endless loops of thinking. Yeah. Um, the thought perpetuates itself. Right. But so, you know, if we think about all the layers of who we are, one and and you know, yoga really gets at this with its eight limbs is that, you know, one of the layers that's really kind of like the antithesis of that or like the the other pole of that um, equation is the body. And that's where Tantra comes in. It's like, you know, how do you say it's not real and, and also it's real? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's sort of the conundrum, but where I was going was that it, if you can get the mind out of the labeling and and uh, sort of defining and describing and judging, sorting mode, and into just not just noticing what are my thoughts, but like actually getting into a sensation place of sensation taking in the sensation, the smells, the you know using the other senses. Mm -hmm then, you know, to really see, like, what's this container? There's, like, an inside and an outside. There's a front and a back and a right and a left and an up and a down. And it has its own, like, kind of internal, external ecosystem. Then the mind starts to do something else. Right. And so there's this whole move towards somatics, which is really about that. Yeah. And well, it, it helps to bring that loop to wind down yeah that's where my mind goes that's where my mind goes first and i have a couple of other directions where that really it sparks me yeah and about. you know it, we can even get a little bit um you know neuro on this neuro whatever that science is neuroscience <laughs> <laughs> you know like when the mind is thinking 
through things, it's in this kind of looping. You mentioned the word looping. It, you know, there's this notion of a default mode that there's this just like endless stream of thinking. But when we're when we're doing what you were just saying, feeling this, feeling that, being present in this, the mode of the mind shifts, right? So we have a different way of being. And Mark's implication is that way of being is our foundation. That is what we always were. But then this mind came about and many of the religions talk about this too, that the mind coming about is or was always a way of naming something about reality or, or uh, doing something with or to reality. But what's happened is it got mistaken for reality. Right. Well, I mean, that's definitely, uh, you know, kind of the threshold, I think, because when when we're in the mode, and I really don't know what we call it scientifically, but when we're in the mode of what I would call not metaphorical, Right, we're not like this is like that. Yeah, we're we're just like present. Earth. And, yeah, <laughs> Gary Weber calls it task oriented mode. So you're like right. doing, you're doing. What but you're I'm doing. not talking about that. I'm talking about receptive perceiving. Mm -hmm. When I'm just in receptive perceiving mode, and I think this is like really hard for people to access. Like it's kind of easy for me to talk about because I've spent so long kind of just parsing out for myself through my practice what's the difference but let me like you know I would say like a lot of the earth-based practices which I would include tantra in at its core are really about being in the experience that is right here right now and not getting down whatever various rabbit holes you can go down that are about it. And honestly, I think it's just really hard to find where to notice where the mind branches off and does that. Like to me, that could be like a really foundational ex learning experience in a whole lifetime is to actually get there. Like, ah, <laughs> you know, usually it's not word oriented. It's like experience oriented and I forget where we just started this, but I just think that the, it's not to me, I mean, maybe task oriented is some kind of definition that I don't know exactly about, but it's not task, it's not action, it's not how we're doing actions. And this is from a practice place. It's how we're being in response to those interactions. Mm -hmm. Then we're not go, you know, we're not going to the to the next association. Mm -hmm. There's no ne there's no next association. It's just this is the thing. Like I'm eating a mango. I'm smelling the mango. I'm tasting the juiciness of the mango. The the next step of like I love mangoes isn't arising. Right. 
and mangoes are good for you is not arising. And, you know, all of the associations, I got sick once when I ate a bad mango, not arising. Right. But the idea of how do I come back to that once, once I notice that a mango is associated with all those rabbit holes, like the question for practice is how do I get back to just this mango? Right. And the way back there is to let go of all the thoughts, notice they're there, and we've all done this a million times, and just say, just experience the taste. Right. Just experience the smell. Right. Just be in the presence of the the feel of the skin and the feel of the juice and whatever goes with that. Which you is know? a kind of a training, I think. And know? it's a training like, because of where we get to. Yeah, and Daniel Odier's book again, when he was sitting with Davy and they were going through the various elements and, and talking about different things, she had a little pot nearby and a little pile of stones. And whenever she would notice that he had gone down one of those rabbit holes, she would throw a stone into the pot, which would jolt him back to mm-hmm. the moment, mm-hmm. right? But, and that, you know, and, and just to clarify about the task-oriented, you know, um, Gary Weber, uh, neuroscientist guy, um, says like meditation is part of that. So mm-hmm. it's not just a doing at tasks, like doing tasks, right. but it's like that presence with just where that you're thing, at. That moment. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but do we? But yeah. And we are we are very inclined out of that. But one of the things that um, you know Mark goes on to say, and one of the things that I think is challenging for us in life is when we are in that other way of being, right? When we're in that. Re- just present with all our knowledge and all of that stuff still around if you needed it right to label something but while you're in it and doing and just being in the doing or the being or the receiving or the giving or whatever it's a different relationship with everything that is you are simply a part then of the universal action yeah. Right. Without separating yourself out of it, you know, and that's very quantum also, because like it's the sense of everything just is the potential of whatever until you start to look at it, and then it suddenly takes on a form or a shape or a name, right? Mm-hmm. To, to use our current talking language. Yeah. Gonna... It always comes back to um, this. For me, anyway, this issue of, like, the more training, the more practice you've done or been doing in your life, the more mature you get in that, or established you get in that Mm -hmm. practice, the more you can start to be not either in this mode or in that mode, but kind of like, it resilient enough to kind of go back and forth fluidly. Yeah. And I think that's really important to remember that, like, it's the getting stuck in the one or the other that ends up being the repetitious loop. And, like, for me, the thing is, it's very hard for the mind to identify when it itself has gotten into that. Because, I mean, I think the problem is, like, 
it's it's there's this there's this labeling and sorting and identifying and figuring out that goes on kind of naturally just to navigate this plane but then we can get like we sort of establish a way that works and it becomes pretty functional and then it becomes kind of like the nice way to say it is like um you know kind of efficient but then the not so nice way to think of it is it becomes habitual and then we have a lot of trouble letting go of it and that's like the ego idea of like I'm separate this is how I do things this is how it is this is what keeps me safe this is you know like that's all an adaptation and part of the resiliency of of just being in the flow and being here labeling shit is that it's overwhelming it can be overwhelming and the ego just kind of has to I think slowly get used to that being in that state and saying well that might I mean it actually comes down to this idea especially with what's going on in the world right now of resiliency versus you know kind of efficiency and you know, it's not so easy to be resilient. Right. Even though I'm sure that's like the big bandied about word now. Right, right. Yeah. I love how you're, um, you're hearing of, as your client show on, on inflation <laughs> just turned into tantra. That's very fun. But just from the practice place, that's, that's kind of where it comes down to for me. Yeah. Um, I was going to say regarding practice, I think that's why I think that's why yoga even even as um it's practiced in America in the most simple ways, you know, like in the gym or in the hot yoga studio or in the whatever where people aren't really thinking philosophy or Sanskrit at all. You know, I think it it provides a chance to do that withdrawing from the thinking about, you know, it's like yeah. a, a little oasis from your thoughts. Yeah. Because when you were describing, you know, the habits and the overwhelming of thinking about things this way, we don't give ourselves any breaks to allow to not have to be negotiating it. And not have to be sorting it out and and you know doing the right thing and being safe. We don't have so many spaces in our lives anymore. And when we happen to have them, we usually fill them. We want to be productive or we want to relax. So we watch something or you know we listen to something or whatever. You know we put on a podcast while we're running or something. And I I, I do it too. I love. It's nice to have a space of time to listen to something yeah but what we're what we've eliminated in this modern entertainment on demand world is nothing we, we, there's no no nothing yeah. time yeah. you know so we've we've constructed it as yoga class which i think is you know s super helpful to have that kind of a thing to fill 
yeah. sometime and make some space yeah. in one's day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you go all the way back to like the the idea that there's just structured time in the day where you should lie down. <laughs> You know, I mean, mm -hmm. to me at this stage of my life, but that's, I mean, that's a really big issue, even for people who have been doing this practice for a really long time, because the thing is the world is the world. And it's really easy to fold your relaxation practice into doing like the mind is set up to do that so like if you're a yoga teacher and you get into this thing of like you know if you're doing shavasana and then you're thinking about how you're going to be teaching shavasana later today uh, or like or that you know sequence right. or this sequence right. it's like fodder the the wheel just doesn't stop even you know if you're if your job is to make it stop right you know or to help people to make it stop like i i think it's really important to stay humble yeah. Kind of, you know, and to like really learn to recognize when you're in it, when you're having a challenge, when, you know, all of the things that, that are human that we do so that it can be, I don't know, so that like your own appreciation of the subtleties are alive, mm -hmm. you know, they're like potent because you know the difference between somebody who like coming into the classroom of a teacher who's just like learning this stuff for the first time and is like saying it because they're sort of like I don't know just got there and somebody who really has it's like uh, an experience or an established experience of like when I sit and go quiet I go quiet that's just really palpable in the room and I mean I've I just really stand by that and that's the same getting back to Davy and that teaching that's the same thing like when I'm sitting in a room teaching with people whether it's on zoom or not uh, I instantly know when I've gone into the mind mm -hmm. tunnels mm -hmm. because I can feel it in the room and it's like, I can sit, like, that could be, uh, like, I might need to do that in my getting to the place where I'm kind of in the zone of just smelling, tasting, feeling, knowing what the value of that practice is. But I don't want to get into a push and pull with my own process of getting there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't want to let that process bleed into the experience of the people in the room because that's not what they're here for. Unless, of course, they are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's kind of, again, that sort of, you know, both and thing that, you know, we need. It's like just recognizing when my mind has started and doing that practice of bringing it back. It's like really the whole thing. Totally. And, and I, I like that you said the thing about humility because i don't know a single yoga teacher a single yoga teacher <laughs> who isn't crazy in some way or other and, mm -hmm. and you know their stuff comes out yeah sometimes in the classroom sometimes outside of the classroom yeah sometimes in private conversation you know it's just like we're all human and we're all working on stuff and yeah. that's why we're here yeah and 
you know, there are some people who are helpful to you in your practice, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, in yoga, it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, I don't very often say, oh my gosh, my French teacher, Jean Max you know, was like profoundly influential in my life. I mean, he was very helpful to me in at a certain time in my life, absolutely. But in yoga, we routinely say, mm. my know, teacher was Alan Finger, my teacher was Mark Whitwell, his teacher was... Desikachar, Alan's mm -hmm. teacher was Venkatesananda and so yeah. forth. You know, we we call on these teachers and it goes back to like this mantra that's very um, foundational, Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu. You know, the, the, the teacher isn't this person. Yeah. The teacher is yeah. the light, right? The teacher yeah. is the source of light that yeah. is helping me to figure out the world. And they're like a person who turns on a light switch, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Um, and, you know, as, as teachers, it's useful to remember that this vehicle isn't anything <clears throat> special. This is just a human, yeah. right? But you know, when, when you go to teach, if you can remember that you're just helping someone else exactly. see the light, right? Yeah. And the, the corollary of that is what you're experiencing in the energy is people's rabbit holes mm -hmm. energetically. Like you don't know what they're thinking, but you can feel it when they go there. And then it's like, it's a, it's that, that, you know, that light is, you know, if you're remembering to be in your own breath, body, sensory awareness, doing, place, your, own yoga. doing your own <laughs> yoga, then you can help that it, it, it is literally like sharing that light. And they, and the point for me is always not to show them how to get there, but to somehow allow, like, let that sort of, I'm going to say it, a quality of, that quality of awareness or that quality of perceiving uh, ignite or inspire them to get aware of whatever it is for them that's the rabbit hole <laughs> mm -hmm. so they can recognize it for themselves mm -hmm. because their rabbit hole is not my rabbit hole mm -hmm. and so if i tell them how to get out of my rabbit hole they end up in they end up getting confused more and more mm -hmm. and that's what i think that's what's hard for people to remember and this applies to just life too like yogis moving through life not just the classroom that like other people's rabbit holes are not exactly your rabbit holes and the job isn't to i don't know like we have a very lifestyle oriented way of sharing and it's like i figured it out it's my thing and like i'm gonna brand it and teach it and it's gonna be a system and it's gonna be you know and i i just i have always bristled even as i recognize the business efficacy of that, uh, like, I think that 
You know, I don't know how you bottle just staying in your own lane with your own light, <laughs> but you know, it's really important to recognize that what you're trying to do is allow is to allow or help somebody to foster their own way of getting aware. I think what you say about uh, the business efficacy and bottling and branding and all of that is really important to keep in mind. It's that if you want to use branding and if you want to use, um, you know, good social media, whatever, I mean, you know, we're doing a video podcast because I thought it'd be a, a way to share with more people, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's important to, to keep in mind what is in the mind <laughs> still, right? Yeah. And what is the yoga? Like, and I, I mentioned this in, in my own uh, post on social media this week, like it doesn't matter what you look like on your mat, right? Celeste Barber, the comedian, is doing mm -hmm. a brilliant job of showing us, mm -hmm. you know, all these people who look like sexy on Instagram yeah. and then she does it in her own yeah. normal body. Yeah. And it's a, it's hilarious. Yeah. And yet we're so swept into that way that the medium is coercing us, yeah. right? To think of what is beauty and what is normal and what should we have and who should we be. So, you know, part of the practice of doing a business Sorry. is to apply that you know that that um, mindful kind of practice right like uh oh i'm going into that i think it'd be better if i did this really beautiful expression of such and such and post that why yeah what is that saying to whom and yeah. so if you can continually cut through then it's fine to share stuff i mean yoga yeah. teachers are trying to share stuff that's what yeah what it's about but what are you trying to share? You know, yeah. I loved when I was with with Mark in Bali. One of the first things out of his mouth was, "I'm not a guru." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. You know, I'm not some guy who knows something magical, special that can help fix you. Yeah. You know, it's important to remember. Yeah. Right? Even if you are a guru, that's the point. Like, even yeah. if you are the janitor who turns on the light for someone else while they're doing their practice right it's still their practice and they have to do their practice and it has to be a practice it's not enough that you can do some pretty pose or so yeah. forth so i want to address that just really briefly it's like um and this is really for me i think i got taught a lesson about this uh about that from the beginning because for me it never actually has been about body beautiful even though i'm a tantrika because my body is it doesn't it it doesn't do the things that yoga bodies gymnastically like to do um And so as they say in class sometimes, which I always 
definitely don't like, you know, if twisting your body in this way is available to you, you know, uh, when something isn't available, it's not, it's a non-issue. And so one of the ways that I kind of go around this is to go the other direction. It's like, I like to build from the ground up in my own practice. Like, what's my body doing? Where's my body at? How can I honor the body? How can I be with the body as it is? Like, in its dysfunction to start with, whatever that dysfunction is. And it's very, very, very subjective. So rather than have any kind of goal in mind, which we then modify to suit our disability, we just don't go for the goal to start with. We go for, we start with what is here and what it is that we're asking the body to do and for what reason, rather than like, you know, trying to achieve that thing and then saying, it's okay if you don't, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I, I, I think of that as like the true somatic way in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You like know, I might, I might get to something that is trikonasana or a version of it, but it's because I'm looking to, engage with the what my body can do in this shape rather than the shape Mm -hmm. and that's like that's to me also about like philosophy as well like i don't have to go into just phyllis like you know mental gymnastics to understand something it's enough to just kind of get a whiff of it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. or i mean we all do (laughs) physical or mental gymnastics, but the idea is to, to scale back on that and, and to not address the thing that first of like, well, I can do that, but why would I, mm-hmm. you know, cause I just, I, I just have a, I have a feeling that that sparks that starts from a place of the, of the problem, not the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, that might be I can't remember if, if it was um, Swami Satchidananda in the Yoga Sutras version that he wrote or somebody who said, you know, like any one yoga pose is, is enough. Like you can get anything, everything out of just whatever. Yeah. Right. That's the old fashioned way. That's the Tantra notion too. It's like yeah. anything could be your way in because everything is the same thing. It's all, any one thing is a micro of the whole macro. So, you know, if we can keep remembering, it's okay to, to, to want to do stuff. It's okay to have ambition. It's okay to succeed. You know, it's okay to have plans and goals and want the world to be better and all of these things. And every moment is the only time you have, right? All those plans, all those thoughts, all those wishes, all those dreams, thoughts. There's that both end place, right? Thoughts. And yet, what's this moment about? I remember, uh, oh, and maybe we'll end with with this, um, any comment you have on it, but 
when I was just out of college, I went on a, a like an adventure, right? I had not traveled much as a, as a young person. And I went to France and um, I ended up in the south of France on the coast of some small town and, or maybe it was a big town, but uh, I'm on this coast and there's no rooms in the inns, right? So <laughs> no rooms at the inns. And so I'm like, oh shit, what am I going to do here? So uh, I noticed there were some people sleeping on the beach and I'm like, can't believe I have to do this, but I, I went down and just go sleep on the beach. And in the middle of the night, I'm awakened by some guy. He's like, Deutsch? Sprechen Sie Deutsch? And I said, no. I, I said, he said, Francais? And I said, uh, oui. And he, and he said, English? I said, yeah. And so he says, banditos, come here. Mm -hmm. And so this guy was walking down the beach telling everybody who was by themselves to come join this group of people underneath the esplanade or promenade, whatever it's called, right? And so I was so moved by that, like when I woke up in the morning and there were just this maybe 30 people under mm -hmm. this bridge who had all probably not been able to find a place to stay or were just backpacking and not staying in inns. And here was this burly German guy, you know, and I went into town and I bought a loaf of bread or two and I brought it probably it was one loaf of bread because I brought it and gave it to him like a thank you thank you very mm -hmm. much for last night and he was like no problem and then he gave the bread to mm. the rest of the people and it was just like such a a moving example of doing what's in front of you right yeah. what's present I don't need this bread these people might need this bread, right? Or I'm safe. These people could use my help right now, mm -hmm. right? And to just do this small act. And God, that was 40 years ago. Yeah, just don't. It was, I, it was a years I ago. I still remember it, Yeah. right? Like it was yesterday. Yeah. It was such a profound, impactful thing about how to act, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also like, yeah, so that, that's the story about sharing the light actually that you're talking about played out in a real world situation, right? Because the, you know, in, in the world of action, because the sharing I'm safe let me look outside now and see, are all these other people safe? And is there something I can do to hold space for that to happen? Like he didn't do much. He just called attention to it and everybody like made their own mm -hmm. thing. You know, you had a response, which was to share. And he had a response, which was to share. So there's, there's full circle of, of we're all here in it together. And how do we recognize that we're not making it's not it's not a causative thing i didn't like say okay you have to get safe so i'm going to make you safe i didn't say here i'm going to buy you bread and feed you there's a, like also like the now room in the inn thing <laughs> it's a funny the reference here but um you know, that's a little bit like that just very much goes back to in the 
in the original quote, you know, the the it's the what's in the mind isn't real. Like what all those scenarios of being of whatever the fantasy is about what's going to happen aren't real. They can help us make decisions as to how to move around in the world, but ultimately it's not real because it was just here. But what's real is sitting under the bridge with the people sharing the bread. I mean, that's really real. So I don't know what it all says about yoga. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like the, um, you know, yoga just is this very basic principle. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Mark put, put it very succinctly, you know, um, which was like, do your asana. Yeah. You know, do the parts that you can do. And you say this so beautifully in your book as well. You know, yeah. like there are parts of yoga that you do. And then there's what comes from that. Yeah. Do the part you can do. Yeah. Do it. That's it. Yeah. Namaste. You can clink your glass. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Yeah. See ya. Right.